0: Finally, if you would like to support the work and ministry of Rehope financially, you can do so online at rehope.co.uk slash giving. We pray you find this message encouraging, enlightening, and helpful. Enjoy. Hey, family. Well, we want God to help you. Whatever your circumstances are, we're going to be talking about that today. We want God to help you, whatever's going on. And so I start the teaching every week with a blessing because I genuinely believe that blessings in the Bible and blessings in reality, they activate Breakthrough. They, they, they start processes moving to bring about answered prayer. We're going to actually talk about uh, blessings later on in our, our Moses series. But let me just start today by, by blessing you and, and then we'll go from there. I bless you now in the name of Jesus that you would know Jesus more wonderfully today. I bless you to receive healing if you need healing in your body, in your mind, in your emotions, in your spirit. I bless you to flourish and prevail over whatever challenges in your life you're facing. I bless you to receive the guidance from God that you need today. I bless you to receive the help from God that you need today. And I bless you to feel hope today. Peace today. Joy today. Love today. Whatever is going on in your life, that you would feel those things today. May that be true for all of you. In Jesus' name, may it be. Amen. Okay, so today we're going to talk about hard times. We're going to be talking about hard times. Some of you are like, oh man, I have come to the right place. This is exactly where I need to be today. Everybody's got seasons that they would classify as hard times. Sometimes we look at our lives and we're like, "Okay, I'm in a hard times season," and then you look at somebody else and like, "Okay, they're in a harder time season." This is not a comparison game. Uh, That's that's fine. We're just talking about today seasons where you would look at your own life and be like, "This is hard." This is a hard moment, this is a difficult moment, this is extra uncomfortable, I hate everything about this moment, or I'm, I, just, I just wish things would change. Whatever the spectrum, for some of you, a massive, uh, massive hard time, for some of you it's uh, an uncomfortable, but, but still a, a hard time. Today we're going to look at an example, one of the best examples in all the Bible of what not to do in a hard time. We're going, to look at, we're going to look at people make an absolute disaster of it, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the, the most powerful way, the right way, the most powerful way to, to, go, to be in a hard time to go to God in such a way that He helps you or quickly helps you. As opposed to uh, any other alternative. So we're going to talk about this because the natural way that we respond in hard times is not the right way. The, the normal ways that we would that we react are actually going to be detrimental in seeing God's help and breakthrough. And so because I care about you, uh, I wanted to set us up today with what is the most powerful way to respond in hard times when you approach God. Okay, so that's where we're going. Um, here we go. Great. We got people pouring in the rooms. Uh we're looking forward to this. Uh, so here we go. We are studying the life of Moses. If you're new here and visiting, we are currently in the book of Numbers. We are well past the people having escaped Egypt. We are, we are past the Red Sea, at, over a year past the Red Sea. We are having left Mount Sinai last week, and we are rushing ...to the promised land, as only a million people in a desert can do, right? Little bit by little bit by little bit. Uh, If you're tracking through the book of Numbers, I've got a map here. Basically, we are journeying from Mount Sinai to the wilderness of Paran. And that is going to take several chapters. There's going to be a couple of many events that are going to be taking place on this journey. We're going to look at some of them today... Um, We don't know where we are. We know we've left Mount Sinai. We're several campsites away from that at this point when we get to our study today. But we've also got several more campsites before we get to the wilderness of Paran, which is going to be at the end of chapter 12. So I kind of imagine us, you know, if we're kind of on that arrow route, basically somewhere maybe south of the north tip of the Gulf of Aqaba, but I don't really know. We don't really know. We don't really know exactly where we're at in that. But some pictures from that area as they're kind of going towards the Promised Land. Here's just some some random pictures from that general area. It's wilderness. It's there. There's nothing there. Uh, this is very hot, no man's land, um, desert. The, the, you, we're gonna see as we as we kind of track through. They're just staying in places. It's like they're making up names uh, for it, it. It really that's how it reads. It's like. Okay, we stopped here. Well, let's call it this because this event happened there. Like, there, there's, it's just, it's just a, in the middle of nowhere land. In fact, for example, the, the first couple of verses in chapter 11 of, of the book of Numbers, this is not our passage for today, but it's, it's at the same beginning of the same chapter. It says, Now the people began, began complaining openly before the Lord about hardship. When the Lord heard... His anger burned, and fire from the Lord blazed among them and consumed the outskirts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses, and he prayed to the Lord, and the fire died down. So the place was called Taborah, because the Lord's fire had blazed among them. Where are we? Uh, let's call it Taberah. Like, that's what happened here. It's just kind of, we are in the middle of nowhere. Again, now this isn't the story we're going to be focusing on, but notice how the chapter begins. The chapter begins in the context of hardship. They're, they are feeling, as they assess their life, that this is, this is a hard time, that this is a hard moment, and as a result of this hard moment, their natural response is to complain openly before the Lord. So they're experiencing hardship. Uh, how did it go? How did it go as they complained openly before the Lord? What was the result? ...of them complaining openly before the Lord? Well, it said God's anger burned. That was that was the result of open complaining. God's anger burned and they caused a fire to start out. Now, this isn't our story. <laughs> but do hold this in your back pocket, right? As we go through today. Because when you're in a hard time, what you want is God's help. What you want... Is God's compassion. What you want is a of God's a tenderness, a mercy that moves him to action on your behalf. You, you want God, you want God to have a, a happy heart, a compassionate heart, a, a soft heart towards you. You don't want him to be angry and frustrated and, and all that kind of stuff. So again, how you respond to God in your hard time moments, is going to determine a lot of things. And what I want from you, what I want for you, is I want you to quickly see God's good help in whatever your circumstances and situations. Anyway, so let's keep reading. Going into the next verse, flowing out of the context of hardship and and that first complaint moment. Uh, Verse 4, Numbers chapter 11. The riffraff among them the riffraff. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think punks or something like that, I don't, I don't know what, 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 is a riff, what is a riffraff? I, I, I don't know. Riffraff. <clears throat> That's a great translation work. I don't even know what that is. The riffraff, riffraff, among them, had, st- had a strong craving for other food. The Israelites wept again. Saying, who will feed us meat? Now, I, I need to make a comment about weeping because, in the context of this chapter, it is negative. But I, I need you to know that weeping is not exclusively a negative thing how they do it is negative there is a lot in the bible about the power of tears and god saving up our tears and bottles and and just like the the agony of praying and heartache and heartbreak okay so so as we talk as we talk about their weeping let's keep it in this context this is not good weeping but there is a lot of really good weeping in, in hard times okay fair so the israelites wept again saying who will feed us meat we remember the free fish we ate in Egypt, along with the cucumbers. Gosh, it must have been bad if you're looking back and thinking, <laughs> the cucumbers, what flavorless something, I don't know. We could stick it on our eyes while we ate. I don't know what they were thinking. Oh, the cucumbers, we missed those, said no one ever, but apparently they did in the Bible. Uh, Okay, so free fish, cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. But now our appetite is gone. There's nothing to look at but this manna. What's manna like? Well, it describes it. The manna represented a coriander seed, and its appearance was like that of bdellium, whatever that is. The people walked around and gathered it. They gathered it on a pair of, they ground it on a pair of grinding stones or crushed it in a mortar then boiled it in a cooking pot and shaped it into cakes. It tasted like a pastry cooked with the finest oil. Pastry every day? And they're complaining. I mean, who are these people, guys? We have to eat pastry again. Oh, man, cooked with the finest. Oh, man, what what a life you're making us live through. More pastry. It tastes like pastry cooked with the finest oil. When the dew fell on the camp at night, the manna would fall with it. Moses heard the people, family after family, weeping, bad weeping, at the entrance of their tents. The Lord was very angry. Moses was also provoked. Okay, is this a hardship? Is this a hardship? pastries only like I, I don't know but like th- f- it doesn't matter because w- w- it's not really fair to judge other people's hard moments hard time moments like th- they feel like it's a hard time moment and that's really all I care about in in terms of what we're talking about today these people feel like it is it's it's a hard moment it's and I suppose that their hardship moment was a comparison issue a large percentage in the west of our hardship moments moments are hard time moments are comparison issues i used to have cucumbers now i don't have cucumbers i i used to have this situation or they have this i don't have that Uh, i i would like this situation but i currently have this situation comparison issues so they're in a hardship moment based on kind of comparison comparison stuff but they feel unhappy their appetite is gone and they don't like what they have at the moment. And so they want more. They want variety. And so they are moaning. They are complaining. They are weeping. And I, and, I, and this is the bad weeping. This is the drama weeping. I am just... I am I'm miserable and I'm weeping and I want you to just see. I'm standing at the, we're standing as a family after family after family at the entrance of our tent weeping so that you can see how much we are sad about the food situation. This is a, this is a, a a manipulative weeping. This is like a I'm expressing um, my my displeasure my unhappiness so that you can see it. This is a weeping weeping a, a, the drama weeping. Feed us meat. Who will feed us meat? Okay, so what I want you to see here is, okay, they're weeping, the bad weeping. They are, they are upset about this situation. They're complaining. How does God feel? How does God feel? These people are weeping and complaining about their lives and their situation here. How does he feel? Verse 10, he feels says Yahweh the Lord was very angry that that's how he feels now I'll come back to a, a mo- to this in a moment but remember we're talking about hard times where and we all get them and times are unpleasant and the times where it's very easy to complain where it's the most natural thing to complain how you come to God when times are hard is very important it's very important again this, this complaining path we're seeing is not the way. Now, I am about to say something very different from other, I've heard other preachers preach. So you can weigh this for yourself. I'm not saying I'm right, but I am. And, and I'm gonna say something that I've, I've heard very differently. I mean, if it's on the internet, I'm fighting it. You know, in, in this particular thing. Maybe you've heard this too, and I'm just gonna say, this is not what I think is a good idea. But I've heard people say, If you are in a hard moment, if you are upset at God because of your life, if you are angry at God because of your situation, tell him. Just lay it on. He is big. He can take it. Just take that frustration you feel at him and just dump it on him. Just, just take that rage you feel about your life and your circumstances and just rage at him. He's big. He can take it. Just tell him off. I, I don't think you would want to swear at him. But, like, just, just you know, he's, he's big and, and, and he can take it. And you just hear this preaching. I think that's a really, really bad idea. I, I completely disagree with, with, with that teaching. I look at my Bible. And I see how God feels when people do that. What is God's heart response? And I look at it, I'm like, yeah, God is big. He can take your rage. But can you take the repercussions? You can yell at God, he can take it, but can you take it back? Can you take the consequences back? I mean, raging, complaining, that's not how you get God's compassion. That's not how you get his soft heart towards you. That's not how you get him in his compassion to move on your behalf. He might answer your prayers, but even then, it may not be exactly as you hoped. Okay, so, so there's that. Now, these verse end, these verses ended with Moses was also provoked, right? The people were complaining. Uh, God's very angry. Moses, the leader that, you know, God's put this leader for them, and Moses is very negatively impacted. So I'm just going to say this this line that I want to say over and over again. Leaders are people too. Moses is eating the same manna, and he's getting whinged at. And is getting complained at. And like leaders are people too. And complaining completely sucks the life out of leaders. It sucked the life out of Moses in this story. And, in fact, if you track the, the complaining cycles that, that that are going on with these people, it's going to bring Moses to a breaking point. I'm not going to tell you about it yet, but it's coming. And, and it, just complaining, it sucks the life out of leaders. Now, I love this church. I love this church, and as far as churches go, there is so little complaining. I mean, I hear basically no complaining. And you're like, open your ears, Brian. But... <laughs> <laughs> but, but generally, I, I mean, as far as I, in my delusional world that I live in, I, I, I hear, like, next to no complaining. And, and, and that's to be commended. That's to be praised. But I talk to my, um, thank you, uh, I, I talk to my pastor buddies, and it's not often the case. And I, and I realize we have a good thing here. You know, that my pastor buddies, like, the things that get complained about in churches, there's blue everywhere. The seats are blue. Like, we got it. There's too much blue. There's red. Red everywhere in the church. The seats are, everything is red. Oh, my goodness. The walls are pink. There's too much pink in this church. The the organ. Why are we still using it? Why are we not using the organ? Why are we not using the the sound? It's too quiet. It's too loud. It's too, you. You are too much of a jerk. You are too much of a pacifist. You need to be more bold. You need to be less grouchy. You need to be more happy. You need to be less happy and take this more seriously. I mean, just the things that we are able to complain about and whinge about, it's, it's, it's nearly supernatural, right, in the demonic way. right? So it's incredible uh, uh, what, what, what goes on, the kind of complaining that just can suck the life out of, of leaders. Just quick tip. You don't want to be that person. Not here, not anywhere. You don't want to, be, I mean, you search your Bibles. How many of the of the complainers out in the Bible, how many complainers are there Old Testament, New Testament, who are complaining against God's leaders in certain situations, or in, and really just complainers in general, how many complainers are carrying the favor and joy of the Lord in their circumstances? It's just not there. If that's your spirit, uh, well, you're probably you're not here in the room because we don't have much. But that's not who you want to be. That's just a quick tip. Anyways, so you've got these wild weeping complainers. They're weeping complainers. And they've made God angry. And it's, it's taking its toll on Moses. And so what does Moses do? And, and again, leaders are people too. As, as a leader, as a person, uh, this is the right response when he's in this rough moment. Verse 11. So Moses, he goes to the Lord. He he prays. Moses asks the Lord, "Um, why have you brought such trouble on your servant?" Okay, Moses is hurting. I want you to see this. The people, for as amazing as Moses, they have hurt Moses, their leader, with their cr- with their grumbling and with their complaining. Okay, leaders are people too. They're they're people with feelings and hurt and who try and who can't do everything and they're not can make everything. Okay. So he's hurting here. Why again, I'm not speaking this. I I'm, I'm, I am. I'm very happy with what's going on in this church. Why have you brought such trouble on your servant? Why are you angry with me? And why do you burden me with all these people? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? So you should tell me carry them at your breast as a nursing mother carries a baby to the land that you swore to give their ancestors? Where can I get meat to give all these people, for they are weeping to me? Ah, exhausted, exhausted, Give us meat to eat. Moses is like, I can't carry all these people by myself. They are too much for me. If you're going to treat me like this, please kill me right now if I have found favor with you. If you think anything positively about me, God, kill me right now. And don't let me see my misery anymore. Just do you see how m- miserable Moses is in this moment? Oh. Now we'll talk a little bit more about what makes this a good response I- in a moment. But, and maybe you look at this prayer of Moses and you're like, that looks like a complaint. That looks like Moses is complaining. Okay, it's not, having a complaint is not the problem. It's how you express that to God. What, it, what are the dynamics in your communication in your heart when you're praying to God? And, and in this case, Moses is not turning against God in his complaint. He's not saying things like, if only I'd never left Midian or, or anything like that. He, he, he's not saying, God, um, you know, you, you, you have let me down. He said, just take me out. He's not turning against God. He's just like, God, I, I, I want to tap out. This is, this is too much for me. He's, he's asking God to take it. Now, th- and those are some important differences there. Now, we're not going to read the next section uh, because there's a lot of it here. and There's a lot of pieces here. But, but Moses is going to go to God in his hardship, and God is going to help Moses whilst, you know, well, we'll see what happens, wh- wh- how he works with the people there. But there's, there's a couple things that God helps Moses with in the next section. He, he helps Moses, first of all, by giving him a new strategy for leadership. God, Moses saying, I can't carry things by myself. It's said in verse 17, you know, he, you know, about appointing 70 people to help him lead. In God's words, to bear the burden of the people so you don't have to bear it by yourself. Like, okay, God's like, I hear you, Moses. I will help you with this leadership challenge. It is too much. I will help you. I will spread out my spirit amongst more leaders, and you can, and you can be helped there. So God helps by a new strategy for leadership. Sometimes when you're like, God, how, how can I deal with this situation? I feel completely overwhelmed. Sometimes he gives you a new strategy for life, for your schedule, for people who can help you, whatever the case and then, and then God says after this that he is going to send meat for everyone for a whole month. Let me read it in verse 18. The Lord will give you meat and you will eat. You will eat not for one day or two days or five days or 10 days or 20 days, but for a whole month until it comes out your nostrils and becomes nauseating to you because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and wept before him. Why did we ever leave Egypt? Now, I find this fascinating and terrifying, and this does affect my prayer life. I, are you so bold that you think that, if you know, you really want God to answer all your prayers, even if it's not a good idea? Uh, fascinating. God is going to answer the people's prayers, but they've ticked him off with their complaining. Okay? I'm going to give you what you want. Are you ready for it? But then verse 33 while the meat was still between their teeth before it was chewed the Lord's anger burned against the people the Lord struck them with a very severe plague so they named the place Kibroth Hatava'ah because they buried the people who had craved the meat had no p- name we, we named it so we were buried people again this terrifies me God's going to answer the prayer their prayer and that people are going to get what they've demanded from God, but they've insulted God. They've made him angry in how they have responded to him in their hard times, and so God gives them what they want, but they they thought it would make them happy, but the answer prayer came with God's frustration and anger behind it. Very severe plague, which killed all the complainers. So I guess from Moses' perspective, as a leader there, number one, God helped him by spreading out the leadership um, burden, and two, he helped him by killing off all those who were complaining. Now I know that's that's dark uh, and, and stuff like that, but but God is very attentive and and caring about Moses in this in this moment. Uh, so you know, praise God. Still, you want God's help as a leader. You want God's help as a, as a person who's following. you want his favor. You don't you don't want his frustration. Okay. We're going to turn the corner here. But now, how do you feel now about this idea of if you're upset, if life is hard, then just dump it out on God. He's big. He can take it. Rage at him all you want. I I hope you're, you're looking at the Bible and thinking that may not be the best way to get what I really want, which is God's help and compassion. Let me show you a better way. Let me show you a better way. There's so many examples in the Bible. There's so many examples of of people in hardship, of God's people having a hard time. There's so many examples. Uh, Maybe they're experiencing injustice, evil injustice. Maybe they're experiencing abuse, evil abuse. Maybe they're they're stuck in situations, in hopeless situations. Maybe they're miserable for health reasons. Maybe they're suffering for other reasons. Uh, There's the loss of good things, uh, disappointment, uh, bad things happening, needing food rescue or whatever. There's clearly a right way, an effective way, a powerful way to go to God on the hardest of days, in the hardest of situations, to see his help. And so, again, what we want in those times is we want God, God's heart to be moved with compassion. We want him to help us. We want him to rescue us. We want him to, to provide. That's what we want. And so, there's four things. There's four things we see in the Bible that have a proven track record of softening God's heart to our circumstances. These are not promises that if you do these things, things will shift. These are principles that says these kinds of things soften God's heart towards your situation in powerful ways. Four things. Number one, remember who you're praying to. Remember who you're praying to. God is the God who saves you. God is the God who rescues you. God is the God who protects you. God is the God who provides for you. God is the God who sees your situation. God is the God who is paying attention to you. God is the God who helps you. God is the God who delivers you. God is the God who guides you. God is the God who sets you free. God is the God who holds you together. God is the God who created you. God is the God who loves you. God is the God who forgave you. God is the God who sent his son Jesus to pay the price for all of your sins, past, present, and future, and to open the door to heaven and cause peace between you and God. God is the God who, uh, who is so good in all of his goodness and he's poured that in f- on your life in so many ways. Ways that you perceive and don't even perceive. Why in the world when we remember who God is, would we find ourselves grumbling and even like bad weeping before complaining against this God of ours for being so bad to us? so unfair to us, so bringing it so miserable to us. The first thing that we do when we feel overwhelmed is, is we take a breath and we just start, before we talk to God, we start remembering, start remembering who he is. I think of Job in the Bible. Job starts off pretty well, but by the end, he's kind of starting to complain more and more and more, and, and God finally starts talking, and he's like, okay, who is this Who?" Darkens my counsel with words without understanding. Basically, who's talking and doesn't understand anything of what's really going on here? Is that you, Job? Like, like it just I'm, I'm thinking of every great prayer in the Bible. Most of the prayers of the Bible are written in context of crisis, hard times, scary moments, really dubious situations, and and they start with remembering who God is. God, you are the one, the covenant-keeping God. You are the God who has done this in the past. God, you are the one who is, has revealed yourself as the gracious and compassionate one. I, I remembering who God is. It's very hard to, to turn against the God who you are very much remembering his goodness and, and in all those ways. Today might be awful, but you want this all-powerful God of yours, who, the one who can do anything to help you. Number one, remember who you're praying to. Number two, pray passionately. Pray passionately. Uh, The answer is not to hold back in passion. uh, Don't be passive in prayer. Just pour out your heart before the Lord. Uh, Again, pray your guts out. Plead with God to save you. Uh, Plead with God to intervene. Petition God for His breakthrough in your situation, for God's rescue, His help, His intervention. Pray pray as hard as you can. Uh, That's great. But in your passion and in your pain, the thing is don't turn against god none of this like god you have never done anything for me in all of my life i and and so just for once answer my i mean that is so insulting right god is like oh my goodness you have no idea how much i've done for you you don't, like literally you have no idea I, there there's so many things i said or man god oh man it, before i was a christian i had it so much better and now i'm just miserable before, before you were forgiven of everything you've ever done and you're filled with the holy spirit and your eternal destiny has been redirected towards towards uh, heaven for oh yeah, but that's when you had it good i think it's so insulting right like, do, don't 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 do that you're, you, you don't turn against god you, you but you go in your with your current hard moment and you say god I'm in pain. This is a really big moment. Please see. Please help. Please rescue. I'm thinking of Jesus and his passion in Gethsemane. He's sweating blood. He's sweating blood in his passion as as he's praying. God, you know, take this cup. Is there any other way? Take this cup from me. That's passion. Uh, I I think of like uh, people in the Bible go weeks without eating as they have this, God, I need to hear this guidance. I need to understand what's going on there. That's, that's, that's passion going it. You bring your request to God, pleading for his help, pray passionately. Number three, submit your request to God's bigger plan. Submit your request to God's bigger plan. Now, I struggled with the wording on this point because I didn't want to make you passive in your prayers. But I think Jesus in the garden is a perfect example of this. He has the passion. He is sweating blood. It, 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 you know, if there's any other way, yet... Not my will, but yours be done. That, that line, not my will, but yours be done, follows passionate petition and praying. It doesn't mean that like, we, we want to do that and end there. We want to come to that place where we surrender our, uh, the timings of these requests and God's intervention to God, but, but we make sure we stay in that passion praying zone. Like, God, I'm pleading about my hard time, I, 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 and yet I will trust you. If, if things don't change, I will trust you, I will worship you, I will praise you. Uh, if I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And he, you pray until that praying and passion, You you come out of that prayer time having discovered some peace that doesn't match your circumstances. Like what Paul says in Philippians. Paul says in Philippians, in everything, through prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Like bring them. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understandings, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That guarding of your heart and mind so that you don't go toxic, that you don't go hostile, that you don't go bitter. Present your request and then find that peace. Okay, so submit your request to God's bigger plan. A great example of this is also the book of Habakkuk. You know, where, where he, gets, he gets really bad news and he's like, okay, even if everything falls apart, I will rejoice in the Lord. Submit your request to God's bigger plan. Number four, praise God through your season of pain. Again, I'm thinking Paul and Silas. I'm thinking of them in prison. They, are, they have had an illegal and particularly horrific beating. They have been flogged. They write about this one being particularly bad. They've been, flo- uh, they've been beaten with rods. Uh, sorry, I don't need to act it out. I was trying to remember. <laughs> they were beaten with rods and they were flogged. So you've got their backs are mutilated and they're just, and they're in stocks and they're in prison. They're, they're, they're chained up and it's just a particularly bad moment. I would call this a hard time. What did they do? Well, we find them around midnight praying and singing hymns. They're, they're, they're worshiping God. They're singing hymns at midnight, And then what happens? All of a sudden, there's a violent earthquake. The doors blow open. Blow open, that's a little bit dramatic. The the doors open, and uh, the chains come loose. And and, and there's that that big move of of God in the context of having been worshiping God whilst they're in very severe pain, having been completely, um, unjustly imprisoned. I'm telling you, if you want God's best attention, his swiftest, most swift action in your life, you want to be praising in your seasons of greatest pain. You, you want to be praised, it is extremely powerful. It's so shocking. Most everyone who who come who is in, in extreme pain, awful situations, they get to the complaining. But it's like when someone is praising God in their most awful moments it's so not natural it's so counter everything that would be normal in our hearts it's like heaven just kind of draw what is happening here what what is happening here it's so unnatural that um god seems to move unnaturally swiftly (laughs) i mean if he's moving it's supernatural but 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 so extra swiftly because attention gets drawn there in a powerful way as we walk in the opposite of what is natural Powerful, powerful stuff. Now, I know that this message is what some of you need to hear today. And I know this mas- message is a message that some of you need to know as you've kind of maybe misstepped in the moments leading up to today a few times. I know also that this message is going to be setting some of you up to, to uh, respond rightly in a hard moment uh, that's that's coming up. If you're worried if you're anxious, if you're troubled, if you're fearful about the day ahead or if you're in a hard time right now, um, maybe maybe you've been angry with God. And your path today is going to begin with, God, ah, I am sorry. I was angry at you. You who are the creator. You who are the savior. You're the one who is actually paying attention. I, f- I wasn't feeling it. You were paying attention, and I was wrong. Forgive me. Just kind of that re- reset when it comes to attitudes towards God. I raged at you, but actually I, I didn't get it. I was off. And kind of re- repent with that, and then try this path instead. I remember who you are. I remember who you are. I, I'm going to pray passionately about my situation without turning against you. I'm going I'm to submit my request to your bigger plan and, and I'm going to praise you for however long this season of pain lasts in my life. The challenge for today is this. 20 different good things on a single sheet of paper. God is the God who has saved me. I, I, I've got 20 things now. I know this is a crumply, it's getting worse and worse throughout the day, but uh, just do, because what we're doing is we're resetting our heart, and we're putting, we're putting, um, we're insulating our souls against becoming toxic in painful times, and we're, we're building a reservoir of truth and goodness so that we can approach God rightly so that he will respond as we would more hope he would with his compassion, okay? That's where we're going today, Twenty. 20 of these things, 20, 20 good things. God is the God who has helped me, provided. Good, I'm gonna pray for us, and pray for us. God, I thank you for your mercies, your mercy and your compassion. You are slow to become angry. You are abounding in love and faithfulness. You are quick to forgive. I just I just praise you that you are who you are, all that you are, you are. I thank you for your goodness And I thank you that you you give us do-overs. God, and I just ask for your grace over any of us who have uh, responded uh, wrongly, insultingly in our pains and in our challenges and in our our awful situations. I I ask for your mercy and your grace and your goodness to to wash wash over us all. And I ask for your attention now. I ask for you to look at us in our hard moments and in your great compassion help heal restore bring peace bring your closeness of your presence intervene cause our situations to shift fill us with faith Maybe some of you are here and And you need to do a quick reset with God. I'll just give you a moment here where you're like, God, I have been so angry at you about this situation. And, And I say, please forgive me for my inappropriate levels of anger at you. And put your right spirit in me. Put right thoughts in my heart. Give me right understanding. Maybe some of you, for whatever reason, you've, you've, you've never set your life to following God. And maybe you've thought he's not real, or he's not true, or he's not good, or he's, it's not worth it. But you're here today, and you're like, oh, you know what? God is real. God is here. God is real. And, and I, I'm now going to dedicate my life to following him. I suggest praying something like this. God Here I am. I now dedicate the entirety of my life to following you, whether things are good or whether it's hard times. Forgive me. Help me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And lead me in the right way. God, I I pray that you would uh, flood us with with revelation of of your goodness and your joy, that you would help us in all of our circumstances, and that you would cause our circumstances to shift immediately from bad to better. In Jesus' name, may it be.